unadulterated and absolutely uncompromising. Greetings, brothers and sisters from around the world. Welcome back to the home, the haven, the stronghold, and the everlasting superfortress of intelligent black thought. We are the black media, and this is the black channel, and I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the voice of black America, the black authority, broadcasting to you live from the only historically black college university of higher education and learning in the cosmos. You are, of course, welcome to join us. And join as you shall, because on tonight's program here, as we are doing a bit of a year in review and doing an analysis of the way that things work, the way that things have worked out, one of the questions that comes up here when you are doing an inventory of your tactics, an inventory of events to find out what works and what doesn't, sometimes it comes down to one similar question, asking yourself, what works? Are these things that you tell yourself work or are these things that actually do? And that has been the question that has been postulated here for a while. Well, the final returns are coming in and lo and behold, what we've been telling you here now for over a decade that you teach people how to treat you. And then when you teach them that they must treat you differently, whether they wish to or not, then you start to see that things begin to change and things begin to alter. Time Magazine here, as you can see on your screen, the headline says it all. Protests reduce police killings, new research shows. Now they will say the word protest. We prefer the word uprising. We prefer the more accurate term of uprising. And we're gonna go into that here. This article is by uh, Susan Olzak. She's an emeritus, uh, emerita professor of sociology at Stanford University. The article says, George Floyd's death in police custody brought a huge and rapid increase in protests over police brutality. Thousands of marches driven by the assumption that taking to the streets will bring change. Does it? Critics argue that protests mostly bring more strife, pointing to the weeks of violent demonstrations in Portland, Oregon, or the melee during the protests over the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that culminated in the Rittenhouse shootings. Is protest a positive force for progressive change? As a researcher, I set out to find out, focusing on public demonstrations against police violence that occurred years before Floyd was killed. The results were clear, at least where the issue was local. My study of America's 170 largest cities between 2000 and 2019 found that street protests were followed by declines in officer-involved fatalities of Black and Latino individuals, though not for whites. Let me read that sentence one more time so that you get this straight. My study of America's 117 largest cities between 2000 and 2019 
found that the street pro that street protests were followed by declines in officer-involved fatalities of black and Latino individuals, though not for whites. Hmm. Now, isn't that interesting? So what they're saying is that when black folk take to the streets, when black folk get turned up, when black folk have a specific mass reaction, then the point gets through that you need to stop abusing and assaulting black people. That is certainly what this obviously would suggest is that the point gets through that, yeah, if you met the black folk are the ones you need to lay off of. And all of a sudden, everybody else becomes fair game. The black folk are the ones you need to lay off of. She goes on to say, in fact, the empirical analysis indicates that just one protest in a given city would reduce black fatalities by 11% and Latino fatalities by 7% in the following year. The study also looked at the impact of civilian review boards. Starting in the 1960s, activists pressed for the citizen-run watchdogs on the theory that their monitoring presence would enforce reforms and accountability. The authority of these boards ranged enormously, some merely making recommendations to the police chief, a few with the power to subpoena and fire police officers. All, however, at least appeared to signal progress. Many CRBs resulted from community protests opposing police brutality. By the way, your civilian review boards are a sham, a scam, and a lie. They always have been. Just another tactic that they have used, another tactic they use to sit up here and distract people and make you think that's working. It, another delay tactic. But everybody knows the civilian review boards are a scam and a lie at this point. Anyway, she goes on to say here, yet establishing them did not reduce, establishing these review boards did not reduce fatalities, my study found. There was no difference in fatalities in cities that had boards and cities that did not. Let me repeat that again for you. She said, there were, there was no difference in fatalities in cities that had review boards and cities that did not. So once again, the review boards are, were window dressing and symbolism to fool you into believing, okay, well, real action will be taken. And sure enough, nothing occurred which was always the point. The point was always, okay, how do you sit up here and allow the Negroes to vent themselves? And then once they got it out of their systems, how do you return, do something symbolic so you can return to business as usual? That's not accidental. Because when they want to lock your black ass up, it's not ineffective. It's very effective, very potent, very efficient the first time around. Doesn't require extra boards. They get all done the first time. She goes on to say, of the 170 cities in the study, fewer than half had a civilian review board by 2018. 
Does anything else work? My preliminary evidence showed that body cameras seem to have an effect. Black and Latino fatalities by police appear to be down significantly in cities where officers were required to wear body cams. But because this data is often compiled at the state level, the link is not as tight. What is clear is the effect on protests. Locally oriented demonstrations significantly reduced the number of black and Latino deaths by police. So my policy changes concerning new restraints on the so my policy changes concerning new restraints on the use of force. Cities with higher median family income also saw a decline in fatalities across all groups, but more so for whites. Taking the issue of police violence to the streets makes sense in part because social movements, now listen to what she says here. Listen to what she says here, by the way. They always gotta come up here and try to dilute the discussion and divert the discussion. She says, taking the issue of police violence to the streets makes sense in part because social movements such as the civil rights movement the LGBTQ movement or the movement against police brutality are commonly organized by underrepresented or marginalized groups with relatively limited access to power. This is what happens when you let them step in. They're like, okay, we start talking about black folks. We want to steer the discussion off in another direction. They try to steer it off in another direction. We're not going to fall for it, though. Protest frequently offers the only viable avenue for disadvantaged groups to express discontent. So if American citizens are concerned with producing policies that reduce inequality in power, resources, and opportunity, the data are clear that protest holds some promise. If protest holds some promise, I would suggest to you that uprising has been the only thing that has produced any tangible results in the last 20, 30 years. It's been the only thing. It's been the only thing when you have a system that is going to sit up here and abuse you, it becomes the only thing that works at that point. Not our fault. I always remind you all that if you really want to learn about something, they're going to watch the speech by Mario Savio. He had a speech about a, a, a speech about the gears. University of California, Berkeley. Very famous speech that he gave there when he was saying that if, if you have the machine that it just goes around doing whatever it does and ignores the people that you've tried to work with the machine and the machine does not listen, then you're forced to throw your body and, and, and throw yourself upon the gears of the machine to show them that if the machine will not work in the interest of the people, then it will not be allowed to work at all. Make sure you all are sharing and liking tonight's program here. I need my people to represent. Don't just stare at it. Go ahead and give me my likes, give me my shares on that, and let's let everybody know that this is what happens when the machine doesn't listen. If the machine doesn't listen, well, there is another option. If voting doesn't work, understand something. People are not going to, our survival is not up for a debate and not up for a vote. 
You see, the crime of Barack Obama was that his job was to convince everybody that, well, it, even if they continue brutalizing you and continue killing you and harming you, well, you know, you just need to wait until they decide they want to stop doing that. That's what you need to do. You need to wait until they decide to stop doing that. Let me tell you something. You don't beg somebody to stop abusing you. You don't beg them to do that. You don't beg. You don't plead. You don't ask nicely. You don't wait until they get tired of abusing you or until they find something they want to abuse more. You don't do that. You make it clear to them that they will not be able to abuse you, that you're going to make it where they're, whether they wish to abuse you or not, they won't be able to do so. That's the real point that you want to get across to them, is that whether they feel like abusing you or not, they will not be allowed the option of abusing you. Because they don't take that option on everybody else. And then when you speak in a unified voice on that, when they can see across the board that people are acting in unison, they're acting in tandem, they're acting in an organized manner, people have gotten a code about themselves and the way in which they move and the way in which they operate, people notice that. They take notice of that real quick. They realize real fast when your behavior, your demeanor, your modus operandi has changed. They take big notice of that. They take huge notice of that when they realize that you aren't playing around anymore. Now that's when they take notice of that. So all this time, just understand something, all this time, and, and I want to talk to the, everybody out there who had been questioning this before. All this time, when you had all of these old fossils out there telling the young folks they need to sit down, y'all stop making all that troubles out there right now, y'all stop making all that troubles. There's a reason why the young people do not listen to the civil rights generation. There's a reason that the civil rights generation gets removed from the discussion, removed from the conversation, sidelined. They are not allowed to speak. And I warn any of you that when you do get together to take action, I warn any of you to bring any of the old failures from that generation with you. I admonish any of you who are thinking about bringing them along. You don't want to swell the numbers with individuals who have failed to get results. You don't want to swell the ranks with individuals who have failed to deliver results, who have failed to get wins, who have failed to do that. We don't need any more people out here jockeying for a damn TV show. We don't need anybody else out here jockeying for a TV show, looking for a guest spot on CNN. I would much rather have dedicated individuals who are never seen and yet their impact is felt and the results are concrete and tangible than to have a bunch of damn media celebrity activists. And yet it's business as usual out here. You see, we have to divorce ourselves from the idea that getting a guest spot on MSNBC is the goal. 
We just need to be like, no, we are invisible. You know why? Because when white supremacy does its thing, it's invisible. They got Negroes in a meat grinder every single day of the year. You never see anything. You never hear anything. Got you in a meat grinder every damn day, and you have absolutely no idea what the hell's going on. White supremacist operatives sitting on the bench at pretty much every courthouse in America, every police station in America, you don't know a damn thing about them. You don't know a damn thing about them, but they're there. They're there, and they're sitting, and they're waiting. They've been sitting there quietly while you've been trying to, quote, unquote, live your life. They are sitting there quietly. And they've been grinding people up every day, and you've been blissfully unaware. They don't try to get on TV. They don't try to get interviewed. They won't talk to you if you attempt to speak to them. They will not talk to you because they understand that's not the way in which power moves. Power just does what it does. And it doesn't ask for your approval. It doesn't ask if you like it. It doesn't ask if you think it's a good idea. It doesn't ask if you agree. It doesn't attempt to negotiate. It doesn't attempt to sit down and parlay with you. It does what it does. That's the lesson to take away from this. It does what it does. The reason why we do not listen to the fossils of the civil rights generation is because they are across the board, by and large, complete failures. Let me say this very simply to the Reverend Al's, the Reverend Barber's, the John Lewis's and Elijah Cummings even posthumously, the reason you were all dismissed from the stage and have been excommunicated from the arena of national discussion is because you failed. Plain and simple, bottom line, your way doesn't work. You failed us. And as a result, you are being removed from any position of power, authority, or influence. All you can really do now is go ahead and sit around and talk to each other. But do you know what you're not doing? You are not influencing the masses at large. You're not doing that. There's a totally different discussion going on over there. You have no sway because the young people are not looking to have you sit up here and turn them into a political football where you are negotiating their survival. You failed. You had your opportunity. You had your chance. You failed. You want to know what it looks like to succeed? You want to know what it looks like to get it done? What it looks like to succeed is that when the soldiers take to the streets, you don't sit here and tell people, well, if y'all change things, they'll get out the streets. When they take to the streets, did you notice what the black media was saying? Totally different response. When people were getting arrested, we went straight to work. Oh, no, no, no. Immediately, I don't even, I, we didn't even ask what they got arrested for. We gave priority. Now, I gave priority. I gave priority to certain things, but if they were out there in the streets and they were protesting, that was it. Get them out of there. Get them out of there. Totally different conversation than what you heard before. You see, we wasn't going to play that damn civil rights 
must boycott stuff. We weren't going to play that. We weren't going to play the Rosa Parks thing where, well, we're only going to do something for the right candidates and let's check their background and make sure it's squeaky clean. Oh, hell no. If they were in the streets doing the work, I ain't asking no questions. You ain't going to have to slip here. Oh, well, take a look here. They might have got arrested before. I don't give a damn. Totally different discussion happened this time. Totally different response. Wasn't concerned about if Ari Melber thought it was cool or Jon Stewart would be okay with it. Wasn't concerned about how it would sound on the Sunday talk shows. There was a totally different response over here from us. Totally different response. And what we had to say about it was that going forward, we're not playing this game. I don't want to sit down at the damn table with Barney's. I don't want to sit down at the damn table with Tiffany's. I don't want to sit down at any table with anybody who has made it a practice to harm black people. We can negotiate this elsewhere. If they have decided to speak in the language of barbarism, they wish to litigate it through barbarism, then litigate it through barbarism. But the civil rights generation and all of their celebrity activists had every opportunity over the course of the last 50 damn years. They have had every opportunity. And what they've really demonstrated is they are puppets whose job it is to act as a buffer and intercede in front of black people and as soon as black people are going to take strident strict stringent decisive action to tell us that that's not what you need to do that you need to feel outraged but you need to do nothing feel outraged but do nothing and then just leave it up to me, and then I'll go down to City Hall, and I'll go talk to the mayor, and I'll go talk to the police chief, and everything will be okay, and we'll get this taken care of behind closed doors. I told y'all, don't let anybody tell you about no damn closed doors. These people sit up here and prosecute and persecute black people in broad damn daylight. If you can do it that way, you can fix it in broad daylight. You damn sure can. They pass draconian bills, punitive laws, absolutely oppressive statutes and injunctions. They do that in broad daylight every day. If you can sit up here and prosecute people and persecute them in broad daylight, you can remedy it in broad daylight too. No closed door sessions needed. Everything you got to say, you can say it right here. Everything you got to say, you can say it all right here. The civil rights generation failed. They failed themselves. They failed the children. They failed the grandchildren. Why? Because they lost the heart of resistance, which is why as they got older and they realized that my generation wasn't as cowardly as they were, and they started trying to rewrite their own histories, and all of a sudden, everybody was Malcolm X and everybody was the Panthers. Well, we know damn well if even half of these Negroes had been like Malcolm or the Panthers, we never would have been in the situation we were in. They were cowards then, and they're cowards now. Now that they can't hide it anymore, then they've decided, well, let me go ahead and vote for Joe Biden so that he can protect me on my slow, ugly descent into the grave. A decade ago when I picked up this microphone, 
And I told you all that you could not count on the civil rights generation. You had, couldn't count on these old niggas because all they were looking for was a peaceful death. They were not trying to fight anything. They were not trying to resist anything. They had been defanged and defeated decades ago. They were just trying to fool you because you were not defanged and defeated. And instead, oh hell, you gonna be a problem. And I told you then, they didn't have anything to teach you and that these old niggas were defeated and they were beaten and they were not going to resist anything and that all they were looking for at this point was a peaceful death. They just wanted to slowly ride out and hopefully the end would be quiet. And when I said this a decade ago, it was inflammatory. It was shocking. Whole bunch of folk didn't like it. Some of your so-called black radicals and black panthers and others that I talked to, they didn't like that. Well, it was the damn truth. And I have never wavered on it and I've never compromised. I'm still here. They're not. We are still a relevant voice. They are not, but we are. And the facts have borne us out. The facts have borne us out. Now that isn't to say that the only thing that you do, that this is the only thing you do, but what you definitely make, make it very clear is that everybody locks arms and gets in lockstep when they realize what needs to be done. That's a whole different change. Whole different change. Because it works. Why? Why should you do this? Very simply speak, very simply put, because it works. Because these other things they ignored, but this works. And you tried to deceive the young and the people that you are feasting on and trying to oppress in real time. You tried to convince them that they don't need to do that. Well, I'm telling you, it works. Now you got the data. Now you got the numbers. Now you got the analysis to tell you with common sense and said the entire time, yeah, it works. It works. What they want to know is your will and your resolve to do so, which is what I said the whole time. The murder of Trayvon Martin was the society, I said this then, over seven years ago, I said this then, the murder of Trayvon Martin was the society trying to, trying to take the temperature of the young. They wanted to take the temperature of young black people. They wanted to see how young black people were going to respond. Because you see, they had already broken the old. They had already broken the elderly. They had already broken the civil rights generation. And they were testing us, Gen X, the millennials, Gen Z. They wanted to test us to see if we had similarly been broken. Certainly were distracted enough with cell phones and cable TV and gaming consoles. They wanted to see if we had been broken as well. So they started testing the waters. And Trayvon Martin was their first foray into it. And that was a huge wake-up call. Then comes Mike Brown, and that's when the ship begins to turn. By the time you get to Eric Garner, this thing is moving in a totally different direction. 
and they were thinking that we were going to respond the way that the lap dogs of the civil rights generation did. I'm calling it for what it is. They were waiting to see how many of us wanted to get a blue check mark on Twitter or a TV deal on BET. And what they found out is there weren't enough who wanted that. There were some who did, but not enough to stop it. Next thing they know, they found themselves sitting behind the eighth ball. Next thing they know, it can get turned up and go off anywhere. Next thing you know, the national dialogue has changed. They figure, well, we'll get more brutal about it. You saw in New York police SUVs running people over and every damn thing else. They figure, well, we'll show them we're going to put the smack down, and it didn't work. It didn't work, and it didn't change the dynamic. They wanted to see if your resolve was going to break. They wanted to see if this was just a temporary aberration that eventually would run out of steam and exhaust itself, or if this was the new normal. And you remember I said the whole time, this is the new normal. You can get it anytime, anywhere. This is the new normal. We are not the civil rights generation. We do not take your insults and certainly do not take your assault as quietly as they did. You have a generation that has interracial sexual access, but they are not obsessed with it to the degree that the civil rights generation was. The civil rights generation was obsessed with a bunch of spoiled brats interested in wine, woman, and song and debauchery. Then you come to our generation and realize they have access to all those things, but and it don't thrill them the way it did the civil rights generation. It was new to those craven, hedonistic Negroes. This generation here sees things a little bit differently. Yeah, there's some screwed off ones, absolutely. There's some clowns and goof-offs, absolutely. But there are a bunch of them who come to places like get they have grown weary. The civil rights generation was perfectly fine to see their non-black counterparts get treated better than them so long as they had interracial sexual access and were able to socialize with them. Let's be very, very clear. That was what the civil rights generation was about. The civil rights generation was perfectly fine. And the fact that you could see them literally sitting around with Joe Biden, as you know, they were fine with Bull Connor. Y'all got to understand something. The civil rights generation didn't really have a problem with Bull Connor. They really didn't. And there was a Bull Connor in every city in America. The civil rights generation, they were trying to figure out a way to get Bull Connor to like them. Our generation was trying to get rid of Bull Connor. The civil rights generation was trying to find a way to get Bull Connor to like them and cozy up to them. Which is why you got stories of John Lewis back then trying to sit up here and talk nice to Bull Connor. Things that you could never imagine Malcolm or Huey or Medgar even doing. This generation is totally different. They don't walk up here and, and, and that's why they try to sit up here and promote the LGBT contingent. And the immigrant contingent, they're the ones who sit up here and hug the police and everything. But those of us who come from the killing fields of American slavery and are not looking to be co-opted treat the matter completely differently. They weren't ready for that. They were not ready for that. They figured, well, don't worry, we're going to figure out something to buy them off with. 
They never imagined that folks would pick up their cell phones and use them to organize resistance. They figured you're only going to use your cell phones for Candy Crush. They never imagined that you would use your cell phones for White Supremacy Crush. I'm not going to use the other C word. They never imagined that that would happen. Crush, yeah. They figured it was going to go like the civil rights generation, and it didn't. Yeah, shock the hell out of them, didn't it? Resistance works. There is a reason that we invoke it, because resistance works. And there are others who understand that, and we are going to discuss that here in just a few moments. Before we do, we are going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. I want to thank uh, Nicole, my man Andrew, and definitely my man Frederick. Thank you very much for supporting tonight's program here. Thank you all for joining us while other folks are putting up the tinsel and putting on their Santa Claus hats. White supremacy does not take a holiday, and neither do we. We are thank you to everybody who's contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal or Cash App. When we come back, why resistance works, we'll be discussing that and more. This is the Black Channel. If you're tired of being censored on social media, join Six Zeros It's black owned, black operated, and black moderated. Yep. And we make sure it stays a safe space for us to talk about all things black culture. We also got some cool gear like the FDM Cotton Crew Neck, the Fearless Ancestors Tee, hats, and more. Check us out at sixzeros.net. I just got banned from Twitter again. Should have been on sixzeros.net. The white supremacists use division as a weapon, dividing our families, our wealth, rewarding traitors, murdering heroes. Yet we survived. We fought for our reparations. Now it's our turn to divide and administer God's power. I am Agent Nilia Sellers, a foundational Black American. I promise that nothing will come between us. Buy the sci-fi novel, Nothing Will Come Between Us. Available January 22nd. Pre-order online today at Amazon and Google Play. Spirit-of-1811-publishing.com. Our story, our family. Hi, this is Brenda Starr, creator of Poetry with a Purpose and author of the book, Pressed But Not Crushed. Press But Not Crush is an anthology of political poems that address current and historical issues in American descendants of slave population and African-American population. The book describes slavery and its residuals, Jim Crow segregation, social depredation, and other relevant issues to American descendants of slaves and African-Americans, including the current political climate that does not address our issues. Are you tired of being overcharged and forced into paying a monthly subscription for your Mac and Windows software? Well, if you are, 
Currently, we're having a 50% off discount on all the latest Mac and Windows software, such as AutoCAD, SolidWorks, Photoshop, Microsoft Office, and much more. Our 50% off discount will be ending soon, so be sure to text us Need Software to 323-407-8214. That's 323-407-8214. We aim to please, so expect 24-7 technical support. The latest premium software. Instant software links delivered to your email and PayPal's buyer's protection guarantee. This is the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. Very glad to be with you all here this evening as we are discussing why resistance works. I'd like to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program here, especially uh, Dr. Montgomery. Thank you very much for your support, Lottis, and everybody else here. Uh, George, I see you out there as well. Thank you very much. We appreciate you having your support here. And by the way, I want to tell you something else. In the American dynamic, in the American social order, when it comes to understanding resistance, I want you to understand black folk, black folk have been slow to the game. Black folk have been slow to it. Because you see, everybody else understands Everybody else treats it a certain way. Everybody else understands that. Oh, they're unapologetic about that. And been so. And been so. Now, you remember we talked about this story here before. When you started trying to put limitations on white men. Started trying to tell them what they couldn't do. Boy, they didn't even bother to take to the streets. Every time you turn around when they don't like what's going on, they get together in our car. Like, black folk will get together, and there'll be like a hundred of us in the streets. White men, they don't do that. They don't get together hundreds in the street. It'll be four or five of them in a car. They're like, yeah, we don't even need dozens of us. It'll just be a few of us in the car. That's all right. Just a few of us in the car. We're going to get something done. I mean, we're not taking a poll, we're not taking a committee, we're not weighing it out, we're not visiting the clergy, we're not doing any of that. It'll just be four or five of us in a, in a Ford Bronco. The four or five of us in a Ford Explorer, that's all we need. That's all we need right there. Four or five of us in a Ford Explorer, and we'll see if we can get some things straightened out. Totally different conversation takes place over there. Totally different. So let me go ahead and while we're talking about resistance and if resistance works, black folk are late to the party, man. We're late to the party. Let me go ahead and uh, go into that story here for you as well. A lot you can learn here. Uh, from ABC News, the Whitmer kidnapping plot defense seeks to dismiss the indictment from the Associated Press, Dateline, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Defense attorneys want to dismiss the indictment against five men accused of plotting to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer because of what they describe as, quote, egregious overreaching by federal agents and informants, according to a court filing. Well, what do they mean? We can go right into that. In the 20-page motion, which was filed Saturday night, well, I'm telling you, these, these white folks, man, their attorneys, Negroes can't get their attorneys to call them back during the week. White folks' attorneys, I mean, are working on Christmas. 
I mean, their attorneys were filing this stuff on Christmas, and there was somebody there to take it. By the way, not only did they file it, there was somebody there to accept the filing on Christmas. I got Negroes listening to me right now. Your attorney has not returned your damn phone call from a week ago. And these men, their attorneys are sitting up here working their case on Christmas and filing paperwork on Christmas. I just want to put that in perspective for you. You've been texting this nigga for four days. These white men are cooling their heels in prison and they attorneys are working the system while I was broadcasting last night. They were filing motions. In a 20-page motion, which was filed Saturday night, defense attorneys allege FBI agents and federal prosecutors invented a conspiracy and entrapped people who could face up to life in prison. They're asking U.S. District Judge Robert Jonker to dismiss the conspiracy charge, which would effectively knock down the federal government's case and other connected charges, according to Detroit News. The request comes after developments and claims about the government's team, including the conviction of Richard Trask, an FBI special agent who was arrested on a domestic violence charge and later fired and convicted of a misdemeanor. Quote, essentially the evidence here demonstrates egregious overreaching by the government's agents and by the informants those agents handled defense attorneys wrote. When the government was faced with evidence showing that the defendants had no interest in a kidnapping plot, it refused to accept failure and continued to push its plan. Five people are charged with kidnapping conspiracy and face a trial March 8th in Grand Rapids. They have pled not guilty and claim to be victims of entrapment. Federal prosecutors have argued the men were not entrapped. The government alleged the men were upset over coronavirus restrictions when they conspired to kidnap Whitmer, a Democrat, even scouting her second home in northern Michigan. Messages left Sunday with the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Michigan and the U.S. Department of Justice weren't immediately returned. In January, a sixth man, 26-year-old Ty Garvin, pleaded guilty and is serving a six-year federal prison sentence. Looks like old Ty might have thrown in the towel a little bit too early. Might have been a little bit too early. Now, for those of you who might be saying to yourself, well, these folks are wasting their time. For those of you who might be saying to yourselves, well, this is an exercise in futility, for those of you who might be telling yourselves, oh, this is going to be chasing windmills and come to naught, I've got two words for you. Clive and Bundy. For those of you who might be telling yourselves, well, you can't go up against the government like that. Even white men can't just sit up here and go face off, eyeball and eyeball against the government like that, and just be let off with nothing. Have you forgotten Clive and Bundy? Have you forgotten that? Apparently some of you did. So just understand, if these guys are able to pull that off, They've taken what Clive and Bundy did to a whole new level. They done took that to a whole new level now. That you can literally put all the pieces in place and that basically if you don't actually clip the target, 
then they can't do nothing with you about that. And by the way, I gotta tell you, there's precedent for that. Once again, the written house effect. Oh, no, no, no. You, no the, the dominant society needs to understand you can't get away from that. You can't get away from that. The written house effect. Remember, the judge, Judge Schroeder said, well, even if he's threatening people, even if he was running around saying that he wished he could harm them, well, that doesn't constitute a crime. So even if he's in the vehicle, he is, he's come all the way from somewhere else, he's in the vehicle with the weapon saying, I wish I could do something to these people, even under those circumstances, that that still doesn't constitute a crime because he hasn't gotten in position, he hasn't actually acted on it yet, that that doesn't constitute acting on it. So, I mean, you see what that means here. No, for those of you who were sitting up here playing tic-tac-toe when I was trying to inform you, though, this is four-dimensional chess. That's why it was so hard to discuss this with people who can't even make it through tic-tac-toe. I was like, oh, no, no, no. The game board has changed. The game board has changed. As evidenced by the case of Dante Wright, there's a reason why Fox News is talking about Rittenhouse, but not talking about Dante Wright. Usually they would have tried to Tamir Rice him and, oh, we'll take a look at the gun charge and this, that, and the other. But they understood since Rittenhouse, they can't use that excuse anymore because they've already debunked themselves and disarmed themselves with that particular explanation. So you can't use that one anymore. That one's dead and gone. You can't use that one anymore. Because the moment you say that, then we get to say, well, what about Rittenhouse? You can't say that that, that that matters anymore. Not anymore, you can't. So just understand, they've painted themselves into a corner. They've boxed themselves in. They don't know what to do about it now. I told you they were mortgaging away the future. So for anybody telling themselves that, oh, well, this can't work and this can't happen and, oh, well, you know, certainly something could, is going to definitely occur. You can't do that to a government official. They're going to come down on them. Ah, you remember Clive and Bundy? And remember, that didn't happen in just one place. It happened in two. It happened in two. That happened in two. So keep that in mind. Yeah, when you when I when I invoke the name Clive and Bundy, then you realize, oh hell, these guys could get off. And if they do, do you <laughs> understand the new standard that, that sets? Do you understand the new precedent and the new standard that, that will set? And the new standard that, that will be that will be set at that time is well, if they don't actually kick in the front door and put their hands on you, then it doesn't count. I want you to think about that for a few moments. This would open up a whole new world of leeway for white men. This would open up a whole new world of leeway for them. This opens up a brand new universe of abilities and discretion. They can pretty much do whatever they want to do. If they haven't actually pulled the trigger or laid a hand on you, then it'll be okay. Anything will just be called entrapment. That's all. All they got to do is claim entrapment, and that's it. 
Hell, in the Clive and Bundy case, it didn't even understand something. They had more evidence on Clive and Bundy and his group. Remember, they were sitting up there holed up inside the government office up there. They were holed up inside of one. They had more evidence on them than they have on these guys. They had more evidence. That situation was more serious, and they had more evidence and more documentation. And look how it went. Look what happened. Next question you have to ask yourself is why? And the answer is simple, because it works. The reason why is because it works. It works. If nobody else has figured it out, they figured it out. It works. Now they want to see just how far they can push that. And no, it's not lost on me that one guy pled guilty, but the others haven't. One guy pled guilty, but the others didn't. The others didn't. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? They are they could pave the way for a brand new world of getting things done now. These are incremental steps they're taking here, opening it up to a brand new world. We're going to go ahead and open up the telephone lines here. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code to the blackest radio program in existence, the only one of its kind on planet Earth today. You are, of course, welcome to join us. Please keep your comments brief, concise, and to the point, or we will give you help in doing so. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal or Cash App. We appreciate your patronage in that regard. And definitely thank you for joining us here tonight as we are discussing about why resistance works. And all this time we were told we needed to do something else. All this time we were told that. By the way, let us never forget the fact that it wasn't just a bunch of folk with guns running around, a bunch of people out here, you know, just tearing things up and whatnot. They came out and they were financed. They came out and they were financed, they were resourced, they were properly backed. Even after the fact, they had money for attorneys, they got support. I mean, where do you think that's coming from? For five defendants, and they've got money for legal counsel, legal counsel that is working on Christmas. I don't know if Johnny Cochran was working for O.J. Simpson during Christmas. I don't know if he was. I don't know. I don't know if Tom Mazzaro or Mark Garagos were working for Michael Jackson on Christmas. I don't know if they were. I do know that these fellas' attorneys were working for them on Christmas. While we were all sitting here last night, their attorneys were filing motions on their behalf. That ain't free. Same thing for Rittenhouse. That's not free. That wasn't free. That wasn't at no cost. So these people didn't just sit up here and throw up their ideology. They threw up ideology. They threw up resources. They threw up everything. And they understood how important that was. When we get serious about it, we'll understand how important it is, too. And the response to these things will be markedly different. 
We're going to go ahead and take a couple of phone calls here now. Let me get the caller from area code 773. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? How's it going, TBA? This is Bill calling out of Chicago. Bill out of Chicago. What's on your mind? Yeah, TBA, you know, as I get older, you know, I realize that white supremacy plays stupid to win. And I want to know, could you ask a question for me that with this written house is that why haven't the Fed jumped in and grabbed this, grabbed this uh, written house for us? Because he clearly broke federal laws, not only state, but feds. So I'm just trying to figure out why haven't the feds came and grabbed him yet? Could you please ask that for me? Well, yeah, because you're using the word, quote, the feds, but which who you really mean is Joe Biden. And the bottom line is the shell game that's been getting played on us now for over a century is that there is some substantive difference between Democrats and Republicans, and there isn't. They're both trying to figure out how to target us. And every time we go to them and say, okay, it's time to pull the hammer down on white supremacy, then you find out, yes, yeah, another treatment. So when you say the feds, you're referring to Joe Biden. He's no friend of ours. He's he's a staunch, declared enemy. Hell, at this point right now, even if he disappeared tomorrow, what would you have? Kamala Harris, who has already burnished her credentials against us. So just understand, this was supported at every level. You couldn't get this far. Negroes would be facing RICO charges. They would have the whole damn family brought up on charges. So what they do is they either relegated, this is the game the feds have been playing, they relegated to the states to enact it. If the states can't get away from it, they pass it to the feds to enact it. It's their job to, to pass the ball around like that. But his support wasn't just in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Big misnomers that that's the only place to support that. The support goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the top. That's the reason why Zimmerman was never brought on charges. Daniel Pentaleo, we can go down the line. Now, if these were black folk out here doing this, white folk would get messed up all over the place. Oh, they'd be fraud marching niggas all over the place. You know, they they mm-hmm. grabbing, grabbing rappers like Bobby Schmurda for nothing. So just understand the support doesn't the support the, the trial takes place in Kenosha, but the support system is systemic. There's a reason why we say white supremacy is a system. Yeah, this, the support is systemic. It goes all the way to the top. They're sitting up there winking and nodding at each other, but this goes all the way to the top. And by the way, we gotta remind you here, when you're talking about those kind of things, you're talking about more old white men. I mean, you take a look at Judge Schroeder and Joe Biden. Judge Schroeder and Joe Biden could be cousins. Hell, they could be brothers. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Biden, Schroeder, Trump, they could all be kinfolk. They could all be kinfolk. We're the ones who don't really recognize this one it is. They could all be kinfolk sitting there, understand? Let me get a caller from area code 929. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling, Brian? I'm Jason. Yes. John Ferguson is speaking from Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. And what's your name? My name is Daryl, speaking from Jacksonville, Florida. All right. Daryl, what's on your mind? Jason, a tremendous broadcast. And uh, again, we appreciate everything that you do and bring it to the table 
as far as the media's concerned and the black media and bringing these things like this to attention. And yes, this, your, your points are always on point. These situations that are happening right now and in the future, we've changed the narrative on a lot of stuff, but we still got work to do. I just want to thank you for the things that you've done, and we're going to keep on doing this. We're following you to the end. Be one. Black First, brother, thank you very much for giving us a call here tonight. Let me get a caller from area code 305. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? What do you do, TVH? Well, One Love out of Miami. One Love out of Miami. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, man, first I wanted to uh, tip my hat to you. Everything you do, man, is much appreciated. Uh, everybody else like to sit back and watch somebody else do something that they're complaining about. You actually get out and do it. Neely uh, Fuller changed my life, and you changed my perspective. So I definitely want to give you, uh, you know, I want to tip my hat to you on that, first and foremost. You had uh, helped me out a while ago. If you remember, I sent you an email about my cousin who was locked up in Virginia on some false charges about these premises. Man, your words helped me. We got him home three days ago. That's that's the first thing. I, I, I really love that. The other thing is, the reason I rock with you, TBA, is because you don't need no congratulations. And every time I get on and I talk, you understand that I always preach self first, change yourself first. And you don't hold no qualms about that. No matter how somebody come on and talk, it's about you have to do it. The one is equivalent to the 300. And in my terms, I say one to the 99. If you got 1% fault and something that happens, it can't get to 100% without your 1%, even if somebody else with 99%. I love you for that, man. I'm going to do my thing when we start this new year. You know, I never self-promote my business, but he's going out there. I guarantee you I'm going to be out there. I appreciate everything you're doing, bro. Well, I'm glad to hear things uh, about you with your cousin and everything. And like I say, we just keep the work going on about that. If we had, I want more people to be sincere about what they're doing. Don't look for things. Don't look for congratulations. Because if you're doing that, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Look for results. And if everybody operates that way, it's going to make a whole brand new thing for it. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight, brother. I'm glad to hear from you. Let me get a call from area code 917. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, this is Ray Rock from New York City. My Ray from where at in New York? Brooklyn, New York City. Ray from Brooklyn. What's yes, on your mind? Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to make this, add this footnote to what you say all the time when you can't trust them old niggers. Now, remember, I'm... I just want to let you know, I'm 55. So back in my days growing up, I was looked at as extreme. Oh, you oh, you talking to bigotry. Oh, you you a black panther. And I can't wait. I'm, I'm just so thankful for the day with black men like you and, your, and the family here. I'm just so thankful. And also, when you say them, when you talk about them old niggas, remember, it's not only masculine, it's feminine too. So when you, when you look at those congressional black talkers, like 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 our, our other brother says, and uh, this congresswoman in L.A. Okay, 
she busy chasing, trying to chase the Meg the Stallion to get up her dress, okay? Did she sitting there staunch against reparations, against anything that has to do with FDA? So just to remind them, when we talk about, when you, you say old niggas, it's not only masculine, it's them too. It's the feminine too. And we have to start clamping down on all of them proudly. And, and, and never give up. Well, you questioning if what we were doing was effective, if you were ever questioning if what we were doing had results, if you were ever having any doubts about whether or not we were moving in the right direction, I hope that now, especially what you've heard in the last couple of weeks, particularly the last couple of days, I hope that the broadcast you've heard here now have reaffirmed for you whether we're heading in the right direction or not. If you are new here to the Black Channel, welcome to the Haven of Intelligent Black Thought. We do this every weekend, over 131,000 subscribers and rising. We are not a little thing. Now, even though YouTube is trying very diligently to suppress us because when you are this effective at changing the real world, folks get scared, and they should be, make sure you click that red subscribe button because it's good to be able to aggregate our numbers and show people 131,000 plus subscribers. That's not something you can dismiss. So go ahead and click that red subscribe button click that little notification bell and if you haven't been to our website black channel films you want to go there and check out our groundbreaking best-selling documentary work 7 a.m gentrified race war all available on dvd on streaming on amazon go to blackchannelfilms.com that is blackchannelfilms.com i want to thank everyone everyone and i mean everybody who has contributed to sports night's program here Thank you very much for doing that. I know you could have done a million other things, but I appreciate those tokens of support. They do mean something and they do matter. So thank you very much for doing what you can do here. And this concludes tonight's broadcast of the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. And until next time, my brothers and my sisters from around the world, remember Black is the future and the future is resistance.